So would you please now stand for the reading of God's Word? We'll be reading from Acts chapter 3. Luke writes, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask for alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or piety, we have made him walk. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Please be seated. On January 23rd, 1546, the great Protestant reformer Martin Luther traveled a long and arduous journey back to his hometown to settle a dispute between two brothers. Now through his work of mediation and his ministry, Luther was able to see these two brothers reconcile, but not with a great cost. You see, on the long journey, his body old, Luther became ill. In fact, so sick that this illness became deathly and he knew it. And so there, dying in a bed in his hometown, far away from where he lived at that point in his life, Luther was asked by his friend, Justice Jonas, do you want to die standing firm on Christ in the doctrine you have taught? And the great reformer replied, yes, emphatically. And then in the early morning hours, February 18th, 1546, Martin Luther died. In his pocket, they found a piece of paper with these words scribbled out. We are beggars. This is true. We are beggars. This is true. Now I would argue that this is the most important thing of all the things Luther wrote. The most important thing he ever put on paper. The sum total of all that he taught and believed. We are beggars. This is true. On one hand, it's a declaration of who God is for us. That he has poured out his grace upon us, expecting nothing in return. But on the other hand, it's a reminder. The way Luther wrote it out, scribbled on a piece of paper like 
a to-do list, a daily reminder of who we are before God, that there is nothing in our hands we can bring to him, that we are beggars, we're outsiders, we are poor, we are needy, and we are in desperate need of his healing grace. And so this morning, our passage from the book of Acts describes the first miracle after Pentecost. And what I mean by that, I have no doubt there are many miracles done after Pentecost. Luke tells us that many signs and wonders were being done by the apostles. But no, this was the first miracle that Luke chose to write out in detail for us. And so we should ask ourselves why. Of all the signs and wonders that were being done by the apostles at that time, why choose this one to be the first? The power of God poured out on a powerless beggar. Because that's who we are. Because we are beggars. Because this is true. And so very briefly this morning, I want to show you four ways that we are just like this lame beggar at the beautiful gate. Four ways that you and I try to deny every day. We don't want to admit that we're beggars. We don't want to admit our deep need. But what we'll see is it's only in the humility of a beggar when we come before Jesus Christ with nothing in our hands can we truly receive the riches of his glory and grace. So the first way that we are a beggar is this. We're outsiders. We are outsiders. Look with me at verse 1. Luke writes, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. So I want to set the scene a little bit. Peter and John are going for their daily prayer at the temple around three o'clock. That's the ninth hour. This is the same Peter and John who are followers of Jesus, part of the original 12. In fact, they're a part of the inner circle, the inner three. So Peter and John going up to the temple and they come up across a lame beggar. He's sitting there at the beautiful gate. Look with me, verse 2. A man who was lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate. And he was there asking for alms. Now, I'm going to do something a bit unusual, but I really want you to visualize this. So I want you to take your bulletin and turn to the notes section. Did you know we have a notes section? Some of you know it very well, and I'm sorry we took up half of it this morning. If you turn to the notes section there, you'll find a layout of what the temple would have looked like there in the first century. And you'll see a series of courts, each with a gate. I want you to find there labeled the beautiful gate. You see it? You can think of these courts almost like concentric circles around the presence of God. And with each passing gate, only a select few could go further. So in the court of the Gentiles, the outer court, well, there anyone could be, Jew or Gentile, but there passed a beautiful gate. Only Jews could go further. And there you had the court of women. And past the court of women, you have the court of Israel. Only men could enter there. And then you had the court of priests. Only priests could enter there. And then you had the holy place. And then the holy of holies, where only the high priest could enter. And so this lame beggar, day after day, we are told he's been lame from birth, 40 years old, 
So he's not an old man, he's 40 years young. Young enough to know what he's missing out on. And there he's been sitting day after day at the beautiful gate, at the edge of the temple, unable to go in. You see, why was he sitting there? Well, really for two reasons. One, well, it's great foot traffic. And as a beggar, you're going to see a lot of people and you're going to receive a lot of alms. But the real reason why he sat day after day at the beautiful gate is because he could go no further. You see, rabbinic tradition in those days taught that if you were lame, you were unclean. You were just like a Gentile and you could not enter the temple. And so this lame beggar was an outsider. He was an outsider who day after day as he asked for alms saw his fellow Jews pass by entering the temple, perhaps showing some kindness to him by giving him alms on their way in. Brothers and sisters, I want you to see this morning that we are just like this beggar sitting on the outside of the temple, outsiders and outcasts because of who we are, unclean. We can't enter in. How do I know that we're outsiders? Because you and I try to become insiders every single day. It's the thing that motivates us. That we want to be a part of the inner circle, the inside crowd. It's what drives us to work, to be a part of the clubs we're a part of, the street that we live on can even be our motivation for coming to a church like this. We want to be insiders so badly. See, the truth is, we've never quite left the junior high cafeteria, have we? You know what I mean by that? Do you feel that? Do you want to be accepted? Do you want to be loved? Do you want to be received? Do you want to sit at the cool table? Some of you feel that all too well this morning. And like I was in junior high, lanky, Awkward, six foot four, 180 pounds. Can figure out that ratio. It's pretty skinny. Desperately trying to fit in. Others of you, like, I don't want to be an insider. I am an insider. I invented being an insider. I'm so inside, I get to decide who gets to be an insider with me. And still, others of you say, you know what? I'm going to rebel. I'm going to rebel against the whole system. I'm outside of this. I'm not going to be an outsider or an insider. I'm going to do my own thing. But really what you're doing is now you're the insider of your own club. There's only one person in it. You see, we all want to be insiders. Because deep down, we all have this longing to be accepted. And so we're constantly striving, trying to make ourselves better or worthy or lovable can I tell you, stop. Stop trying to be an insider. Because if there's anything that Epiphany teaches us, it's this. Jesus loves the outsider. He is the light to the nations, a light to the Gentiles, a light to you and me, a bunch of outsiders who have no business being in his presence. Embrace who you are. You are an outsider just as like this lame beggar. And he came for you, you who are far off. 
And he brought you near by the blood of Christ. The second way we are like this lame beggar. Not only we're outsiders, we're also poor. I want you to look with me. Verse three, Luke writes this. He says, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. So every day this lame beggar, seeing people go inside where he cannot go, is asking to receive alms. What's an alm? Alms were the giving of charity as an act of worship. So on their way to worship in the temple, these Jewish passerbys would throw money at him so that he could continue to survive. But Peter and John do something radically different. I want you to notice what they do. Verse 4. Luke tells us that Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. He said three words. Look at us. Look at us. This would have been completely different what this beggar had probably ever seen or heard. He spent his days without even so much as lifting his eyes towards the people that walked by. The most acknowledgement he probably got was just a coin jangling in front of him. And yet here's Peter and John, and they give him the dignity that belongs to a human being made in the image of God. And they say, look at us in the eyes. Look at us. Look at us in the eyes. You see, the lame beggar, his poverty ran far deeper than just a need of money. He had a poverty of soul. A poverty of relationship. A poverty of being cut off. You see, poverty is far more complex and far deeper than just a lack of money. It's a lack of the human dignity that belongs to us as those who've been made in his image. The country of Niger, 2002, the government asked the poor how they would describe their experience. And this is what they said. They said poverty looks like complete dependence always having to seek out others or work for someone else. Poverty looks like marginalization, being someone who is constantly alone, who has no support. They said poverty looks like being restricted in your rights, basic human rights and freedoms. They said poverty looks like the incapacity to act on one's own initiative. Now, I do not have the time to spend much on this topic this morning. But I do want to say this, and I say this much more as a student and not as a teacher. God loves the poor. He loves the poor. And more than just giving money, God wants to see them restored body and soul. And so we as a church, we have to love the poor. He's called us to love the poor. And yes, this begins with our money and our resources. But it requires more of us than even that. That's step one. It requires our very lives. That we, like Peter and John, would look them in the eye. Would say, look at us. Would reach out our hand and offer them friendship, relationship. Why? Because we have to recognize that we are no different. Fellow human beings made in his image, fellow beggars in need of grace. Now, I don't want to diminish the horrors of poverty, especially physical poverty this morning. But what I want us all to recognize, especially in a church 
that has a lot of resources is that there is a way that you can be impoverished and have lots of money. Not a poverty of wealth and riches, but a poverty of spirit. A kind of spiritual poverty, a spiritual bankruptcy. We don't recognize just how poor we really are. Luke tells us of such a poor man. Not in the book of Acts, but in his gospel. It's a story of a rich young ruler who comes to Jesus, who's been righteous in all he does, and he comes to Jesus and he says, what should I do? What more should I do to enter the kingdom? And Jesus says, go and sell all you have and give it to the poor. And this rich young ruler found out that he couldn't do it. And he left sad. What the rich young ruler teaches us is not that if you have money, you can't be a part of the kingdom of God. It's that if you love money, if money is your goal, if money is your idol, the thing that you build yourself up upon, if it becomes the thing that you justify yourself with, then it will prevent you from seeing your true poverty and your true need for the riches of Jesus Christ. The third way we're like the beggar is this, that we are needy. We're needy. Verse 5, Luke tells us this. He says, and he fixed, that is the beggar, he fixed his attention on Paul and John, on Peter and John. And he expects something to receive. Now, this is not unusual, right? I mean, this is what he did every single day. This beggar asked for alms. Peter and John say, look at us. Somewhat surprised, this beggar looks up at them and he expects to receive something, some amount of money. But this is what Peter says. I have no silver, I have no gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. This beggar, what he wanted was money, but Peter and John gave him what he really needed. I want you to imagine for just a second what would have happened if Peter and John had just given the beggar what he wanted, what he always asked for. If he would have just given him silver and gold. The answer is nothing. Nothing different would have happened for him. Yes, it would have changed his day and he could have gone on surviving till the next day, but the next day it would start right over again, begging at the beautiful gate on the outside of the temple. Day after day after day, it would continue. And so Peter and John look right past what he wants. What he wants is money. What he wants is alms. But they give him what he needs. He needs healing. He needs transformation. He needs his life to be changed completely from the upside down. Now we can't fault the beggar for not asking to be healed. I don't think he even could fathom a world where that was a possibility. Peter and John see right through that. And they say, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. I wonder this morning, do you know what you really need? Do you really know what you need? What do your prayers look like before God? If Jesus were to ask you, what do you want me to do for you? How would you answer what do you really want? How do you come to him? Do you come as someone who's deserving? 
Someone who has lots of Bible knowledge stored up. Someone like the rich young ruler has done everything that the law has required of you. And so do you come to God expecting for more? Or do you come like a beggar? Do you come asking for mercy? Do you come recognizing that deep down what you need is to be healed? So the last way that we're like the beggar before we come to the table this morning is this. We are healed. We are healed. Verse 8. And leaping up, the beggar stood. He began to walk and he entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. This newfound joy that he has, his life has been changed. 40 years, he's been sitting at the temple. 40 years, he cannot walk. All he's ever known is to be crippled. And yet now he is leaping and praising God with complete joy. And the people who were there that day, they saw this and they were astounded. They were filled with wonder and awe. And they're asking one another, how could this be? And so Peter and John speak to them and say, don't look at us as if we did this. This was done only by the power of Jesus Christ. See, I think there's a few types of people who are here this morning. There are those of us who've known Jesus for a long time. And we've seen life's ups and downs and some measure of disappointment, some amount of unanswered prayer. And so we've forgotten. We have forgotten that there is power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, Jesus Christ died and he rose again. There is power in the resurrection. And now in his name, this lame beggar can suddenly walk. There is power in his name. And others of you, others of you are a beggar, but you don't know how to be healed. You see, just like the Christians who are here today, yes, you are a beggar, but you don't yet know Jesus Christ. You have not received the healing that he offers. Receive it. Because you might be looking and wondering, is all of this worth it? Does any of this actually matter? Coming to church or doing this week in and week out, let me tell you, you are surrounded by a bunch of walking miracles. A bunch of fellow beggars who have been transformed by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me show you what I mean. You see, the great miracle that happened for this beggar that day was not that he could walk. I wonder if you missed it. Look back with me at verse 8. You see, his poverty was far deeper. His need was far greater. And so the miracle that happened that day was not that he could suddenly walk. It says, in leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple. For 40 years, this lame beggar sat outside the temple, unclean, unable to be in the presence of God. And now being healed, he has gone into the temple for the first time in his life. He's gone into the temple, invited in, made whole, made clean, able to praise God in his presence. My friends, Jesus Christ took on flesh and became an outsider for you so that you could enter in. 
Though he is rich, he became poor and he took on our poverty so that we might become rich. And he took on your need and my need when he died for our sins on the cross and he rose again. Do you know him? Fellow beggars, come into the temple. Rise up and enter in and come into the temple, into his presence and come to the table. Let us come together as beggars before a feast that has been poured out for us by his grace. Let me pray. Father, we pray now as we come to the the table that we would come as the beggars that we are with great gratitude and humility, with great thanksgiving, that you would overwhelm us this morning with your grace and mercy, and that we would leave this place like the lame beggar healed, more transformed to the image of your son. We ask this in his name. Amen.